I'm Jen. <laughs> Were we supposed to introduce ourselves? Yes, Jen Gummits. Oh, I'm Kyle. And I'm Brainy. Sorry, I'm used to Hannah. She knows every time I pause, it's her turn to talk. <laughs> that was not implicit in my no. instructions. We're super professional here. Yeah. It's been a crazy day in the comic book industry. Um, I'm going to do the backwards. We usually start with movies and then go to TV and then go to comics. I want to start with comics and I'm okay with it sticking with comics because comics. So the big thing that happened today was that stores all over the world had to decide how many copies of Berserker, which has been co-created, co-written by Keanu Reeves himself. How many of these things should we have? What is the estimated demand like both within our industry and from outside, from people that have never, ever even considered holding a comic book in their hand. But, Keanu, thoughts? I can tell you, I ordered the same number of copies as there are vowels in the name. <laughs> oh, okay. But wow. also, I'm not, I don't have an active store right now, so it <laughs> makes sense. Uh, I'll just but buy I, what I need for Miss Jen. <laughs> have you put the book in your pull list, though? Yes, I have. I uh, I actually ordered from the LCS that I have my pull list with now, uh, the A cover, uh, one of the other, I think it was the the C cover. The foil grandpa cover? Yeah. And then uh, the one in 25. Uh, and then I told him if he gets more variants to send me, you know, to tell me what he's got available that, hey, he hasn't pre-sold and that I'd be interested in more. But I'm not holding my breath on that because they're a pretty conservative shop. Uh, I fully expect that one of you two will sell me the other high number variants that I need to get. So, Well, in this case, it might be uh, Miss Jen that ends up doing it because um, I actually went conservative in this. I, you know, I looked at it from the perspective of what I feel the market might oversaturate this book. Uh, sure. You know, there's going to be enough retailers out there that are trying to aim for the one in 1,000. Uh, if you look at it, if that's, you know, 100 stores do that, that's 100,000 copies out there. Mm -hmm. uh, if, you know, 200 stores do that, that's 200,000 copies out there. And that's that's enormous for a comic book right now. Yeah. I'm not saying that Berserker doesn't deserve it, but um, it might be oversaturation, in my opinion. Well, and I saw I saw somebody projecting that this book was going to hit 200k easily, and and I think it will with that hundred with that thousand you know issue incentive. But I, I I don't know. I'm excited for the book because Matt Kint, great great writer, and Ron Garney. Yeah. Like I'm less excited that it's Keanu. I would be more excited if Keanu was writing Bill and Ted. <laughs> than if Keanu was writing his own story. Uh, but I would read Matt Kent writing paint drying. So I'm very excited because of that. You know what I mean? It's That's my interest in the book. And then I'm a cover guy. Once I, once you get, If you got a writer and an artist I dig, then, I, then it's covers for me. So I want to get the covers I like. So that's my interest in this book. Less, less Keanu, less 
you know they're going to make it a movie. You know they're going to do other things with it. So Back right. comes Mark, our illustrious leader. Hey, Mark. <laughs> um, How- just to that point, Kyle, you know, Jen and I were talking earlier today, and you know, she'll tell you, I wavered. I, I, was, I wanted to get the one in 1,000, and, you know, uh, we thought we were going to start we were join our superpowers for good. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you guys this: Is the returnability, the fact that they offered returnability on it, did that did that influence your way? You're you're almost getting there. Definitely, um, and, and you know, as um, I've discussed previously, you know. Um, 2020, a lot of publishers offered returnability, and that helped us determine what our top numbers are. Uh, it helped us determine who our variant collectors are and how much they're willing to pay for the high-end uh, ratio variants, things like that, and whether it's worth it for us to actually, you know, push that number that you know we've always been hesitant on doing. You know, adding an additional five, ten copies to get the ratio variant that you know. Returnability helped us out on that uh, aspect of it. The downfall of returnability is it ties up cash. Uh, you know, it, it, at some point it ends up being, hey, do we need the cash now, or are we able to sustain ourselves enough to uh, last? With the, is it sixty days or ninety days? Uh, I believe sixty days, right? I think so. Something like that. Because it's boom, so it's it's a boom guarantee book. So yeah, I think it's sixty days. All right. Mark, we started um, with. Books. We're talking about Berserker because the FOC was cl- closed today with a one in 1000 cover in the play. So we were discussing how the returnability of that book uh, informed our decisions about buying. I think it's kind of also brain when you're talking about that. It's in- an interesting also wrinkle in the in the ointment because you've got um, people maybe stretching for something and having way more of the other issues in the market that wouldn't have otherwise because of the returnability so then you have it's very beneficial to help you find the top of something for when you're trying to buy the proper amount of books but also in this case i think was maybe the carrot that a lot of people uh had dangled in front of them that they may have not have been able to resist correct was it was it Superman a thousand they offered DC offered returnability on? <clears throat> there was one of them that was a big book that they offered, and that was the only one I ever come close to that kind of number on. Mm-hmm. And I think I got five like five hundred copies of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you it know. was Action One Hundred, Action One Thousand, where they did offer Action One Thousand. Yeah, um, and, and it's I remember I remember praying, going to bed the night I placed my FOC, praying that I had enough cash when that book came in that I could wait for the returnability window. And I lucked out in that I was able to sell a bunch of the bundles with the hardcover and the poster and all the other bells and whistles they did to people who had never read a Superman book before, you know, but they came in for that book. So who knows? I mean, people may, who went, who jumped up on the thousand may wind up lucking out because of the new readership it's going to bring because of, you know, John Wick wrote it. You know, one thing we also have to keep in mind is, and, and this is um, everybody who ordered the one in 1000 is going to have a lot of variants, which they're more than likely going to just sell uh, because they want to try to make as much money off of that. 
after 60 days, most of the regular covers are going to be returned um, or, you know, whatever's unsold. True. That's going to dwindle out the number of copies that are available in the market. In the long run, whoever keeps the, the regular covers might benefit from it because even they're going to have two, 300,000 copies initially, there's going to be a lot less going down the road, you know, two years, five years down the line. Um, and that's something, you know, I, trust me, it's been going through my head all day. It was one of the reasons that I was just trying to get the 1,000. I'm like, ah, and I'm sure, you know, Jen's probably thought of that too, right? <laughs> the other thing I thought, you know, right as I was getting ready to close FOC, I was thinking to myself, it's kind of an interesting thought that I don't know if anyone would ever choose to do it, but you know, reaching for the one in 1000 does not mean that you have to buy the other ratios. Like you can skip them. Correct. Um, knowing the industry, I would, with the exception of the one in tens and one in 25s, I think everybody's going to go for the one in fifties, one in one hundreds, one in two. I, uh, you know, if you can sell them at for $10, that's still, decent markup for those books mm -hmm. now my problem becomes this problem that everybody that i know wants that one stinking book and how am i going to make i'm going to make one person happy no matter what i do i'm going to make one person happy and a lot of people upset absolutely so here's a question for you jen uh did you consider going to three thousand just to try to appease more of your customer base uh, I thought about it, but I don't have 15K in the bank. <laughs> well, you can, you can skip the rest of the very. Sorry. But to, to get to the just the, the regular books themselves, they still have to write that check. Absolutely. Mark, are you excited? Yeah. I mean, do you have you watched all the buzz about it and seen Keanu speak it up on this? You know, the, they made a trailer for it. Does it move the needle at all for you and desirability for that book? Um, <clears throat> sorry, I feel like I just popped in like halfway into an episode of Mad Money on MSNBC. I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. So, uh, did we do the welcome to Nerd News Now for February first, twenty twenty one? It's it's funny because it's the first time I've ever been on time to record the show, but then I was still late. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Are we talking about cyberpunk? Is that what we're talking about? No, we're talking Sorry. about Berserk. Because if Keanu Reeves didn't make me buy a PS4 game, he's not going to make me buy a comic. I'll tell you that much right now. So just, so just a super quick reset um, for me kind of stumbling in here. It sounds like you had to buy a certain amount of books to get one variant cover. Uh, and then is this the type of deal where you can sell the books back to the company if people aren't happy with it or is that what's going on here and what what comic are we talking about berserker mm -hmm. correct um no i don't think like can we think of one book that was ultra successful that was written by an actor i can think of lots that are successful that are written by musicians well, and well, remember, the book is... Well, well, name, name one of those, because I'm curious, because maybe I just don't know about it. I mean, obviously... Umbrella Academy, remember, it was written sure. by Gerard Way, so... Right. Um, but, but do most 
whenever that book came out, what was that? Was it originally 2012 or when was that? Because did people run in and go, I need to be on the list for the comic written by the lead singer of My Chemical Romance? They did. Brainy's saying yes, Miss Jen's saying no. So that's probably based yeah. on people. Uh, Umbrella Academy did musical do that. taste in Texas, right? The musical yeah. taste in Texas probably would have. Uh, now, if Willie Nelson wrote a comic, <laughs> especially if it was, especially if it was printed, printed on, on. Never, never mind. mind. But anyway, <laughs> wait, wait. Um, so, so I, in my, in my opinion, opinion, no. no. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm in, in the, com the comics. I'll, I'll read what you guys recommend. You know, I'll watch a ton more than I read. But I just uh, the whole like, are you familiar with the game Cyberpunk? And that whole marketing campaign where it was like Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves. But then like two days before Cyberpunk came out, and I have a PS4 because, you know, PS5, you know, is like basically like a vaccine right now. So with me, like two days before, it's like, do not buy this game. It's garbage. If you, you know, if you have an up-to-date PC, which will cost you, you know, knowledge and X amount of dollars to keep maintained, to keep up with all these games. Otherwise, do not buy Cyberpunk on PS4 because it's just glitchy and you're just going to get frustrated. So I would have to wait for reviews of, you know, this comic. If it's awesome, sure. But I, I just don't. Now, there's been some uh, comedians and SNL uh, alum that have written stories for Spider-Man, mostly being like Bill Hader, Patton Oswalt, Seth Meyers. Uh, those are great. Those are fun. Uh, Patton Oswalt wrote an awesome Firefly one-shot um, featuring Wash, but I, uh, no, I don't know. Like, are are people coming into the store right now and going, "I want the Keanu Reeves comic"? I just don't. Think so, two two things, and I could think. I, I it just it took me a second. Think, uh, great books written by an actor, Jer uh, Brian Posehn's run on Deadpool. Oh, like, yeah, but yeah. Uh, okay, um, but. So, I, I but here's Brian. the other thing, right? Here's the other no, thing: is it's Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves wrote wrote it. How much did he write, and how much did Matt Kent write? Correct. Is what I want to know. Did Keanu Reeves come up with the concept and be like, "Hey, Matt Kent, here's the idea. This is kind of the story, and tell it to Matt Kent, and Matt Kent turns it into a book." You know, is Matt Kent ghosting for Keanu? Like that's what we don't know, and. That's one have like a ghostwriter, man. If right, that's what I'm saying. You. you know, that's like getting Shakespeare to ghostwrite for you or something. Right. Like, yeah. so, I, I, you know, I think we're dealing with something we've not seen before because so often when an actor comes to write a comic book, it's the actor trying to write a comic book. You know, this is an actor with someone who is massively successful and on fire right now, turning out a book from a studio that's on fire. You've got an artist that's, you know, just done doing nothing but blow up. So I think we're looking at two different things by compare, you know, compared to other other comic books of this kind. Right. And then to, to equate it to Cyberpunk 2099 is it's. That was largely, you know, yeah, that's a marketing thing, but that's a video game and it's a whole different demon when you think about the writing of it. You know, when you think about the storytelling of it. So, I mean. And the problem wasn't that the video game was bad. The problem was that the video game was so advanced it didn't work on anything, you know. And you had to get the things that were that actually it could play on to realize it was bad. So right. I, 
Yeah, but I and and I apologize. You know, I, I jumped in halfway or whatever through this conversation. But what I was trying to equate more than like the medium was the fact that is a non-video game player going to run to GameStop um, and ask for the Keanu Reeves video game? I don't think so. So I just didn't know where was this conversation based on. Hey, I have to order a thousand copies of this to get a Keanu Reeves autographed copy, or was this just a variant cover? Because I'm just like. I'm kind of done with variants as far as uh, there's just there's they're too pricey. You guys have to order a billion copies to get the ones everyone wants. Once those are done, people get upset, like Miss Jen was saying. And it's just kind of like I, I preferred when DC knocked it down to one A and one B, and you pick your favorite one and you're done. Because otherwise, it's just like it's flippers and scalpers and like it's just everything is running rampant right now with you know. If 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 they really crack down and let it go to collectors' hands, um, that would be one thing. But like I already know when a comic comes out and I go to eBay and I see it for like forty times the price, that that's not happening. So is uh so so what was the deal? You had to order X amount of copies to get what? Was it just a a really limited variant or what? Correct. It's basically uh, a one in one thousand that's signed by Keanu Reeves, and you know. And they're also yeah. they're also making it available to go straight to CGC and be slapped, so you could have a signature series one in one thousand signed by Keanu, which is a pretty sweet object. Correct. Um, on the and on, it's returnable. On that thought, uh, believe it or not, my if I was going to get it, it was going to be un CGC'd. Yeah. The only one in the world, right? <laughs> right. Uh, in fact, uh, what was that? The spawn that uh, they gave away at, uh, or all the retailers got at uh, Diamond Summit. The, yeah. The unsigned copy is worth more than the signed copy itself. That's crazy. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just an interesting time from someone who is basically a year removed from having the FOC every Monday. And a year of pandemic removed, like watching my friends kind of pull their hair out, going, do I order a thousand copies of this thing because I can make a giant chunk of my money back on one variant and then return them? Or do I do the smart thing and not? And it's been really fun for me to not have to deal with that. <laughs> but I also feel really bad for all of my friends who did and... I don't really know where I stand on it because I'm I, I myself am buying at least four copies, probably closer to six copies of the book. So, mm -hmm. and so so question about this, and uh, it's interesting that it's assigned because I was thinking in my brain, there's no way it's signed, but that's the only way that this conversation should even happen because those really limited variants where it's just you know art that you could you know just go download the JPEG of and put on your phone or whatever. That's where it gets to the point of, you know, just absurdity as far as the price. But as an autograph collector, you know, now my interest is peaked. But the question is, so you order a thousand copies, I assume they're four bucks each. Is that five bucks three? each? Five bucks. Okay. Um, so so what so as as a, a dealer, then what do you sell that, you know, signed comic for? Because you're not. I mean, you're not going to sell it for five bucks, but what do you, but it was like, it's like a bonus variant. So like what, well, what do you do? 
at a certain point, you have to look at a market value of the book. Um, and right now, I believe the market value is somewhere between two to $2,500. What um, it will be when it's released is another question. Um, but at this point, you know, that's, that's what the value of the book is, and that's what you're looking to sell it at. Um, I'm sure, you know, Jen's got a price in mind already. Um, I had a price in mind as well, well if we would have gotten it. Uh, but, you know. I never even thought about it, and I have a price in mind. So, I, mean, <laughs> I have the if someone will sell it to me for this, I could consider buying it. Like, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not, my price is not a hundred bucks, it's a reasonable price. You know, I mean, I think if you can get it once it drops for between two and three grand, I think you've got a pretty interesting piece of thing, piece to own. Uh, as a collector, especially as an autograph collector, because Kiana doesn't sign. You know, um, how much? It, no, I mean, he doesn't do conventions. He doesn't sign very much. He's super private. So it's not something that everybody, every autograph collector is going to have. It ain't like it's, uh, you know, I'm going to say something that nerds are going to be angry at me for. It ain't like it's Stan Lee's signature, where there are 30, there are tons of them out there because Stan Lee signed all the time and always was willing to meet fans. So, you, you know, I think between two and three grand is a relatively good price when it drops. And if that gets you halfway or so to making your money back, now you've got to figure out, okay, can I at the very least break even before returnability? You, you know, know. Interesting uh, on that note, um, we've all heard what's going on with GameStop where, you know, uh, hedge funds were shorting the book. I'm not the book, <laughs> but the stock. <laughs> I am actually shorting this book. Uh, I am taking the risk of not ordering it. Um, in that, I believe the price is going to drop when the book's finally released uh, for the one in one thousand. Uh, the market's currently at two between two and three. Um, I think it's going to drop. So we'll see. Uh, well, and well, the other interesting part to this story is that it, the Kickstarter was wildly successful. Yes, and. Now, the things we're talking about were not available on that Kickstarter, right? I don't remember for sure. Correct. Nothing we're talking about was available on that Kickstarter. But how many of the fans tapped their budget on the Kickstarter? Also, keep in mind, I believe the book comes out before the Kickstarters are released. Yeah, yeah. Stores will get it before. Uh -huh. um, but if I've got $1,000 to spend on something like this and I spend it on the Kickstarter, I have $0 to come into the store when the book's released. Correct. So it's, you know, it's you're playing this kind of gambling game here, and it really is going to be interesting to see what happens to Boom Studios, what happens to individual comic stores who took the risk, what happens to the stores who didn't take the risk. Uh, you know, and it's, as someone whose skin is no longer in the game, it's really exciting to me to watch. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We'll be, yeah. But like I said, I'll be buying a bunch from my friends, so. And and so what have we heard about the actual comic, though? Has there been any reviews of this yet? Uh, uh, I read it. Yeah. The uh, art's good. Yeah. The artwork's amazing. The writing is amazing. Because uh, it's Matt Kent and Ron Garney. Like, you can't Super. miss. But, um, you know, to talk about it without spoiling anything, I thought it was really well written. I thought it was a really good story. I thought it held up really well. Uh, I'm not going to say it's derivative of other stories, uh, 
because it, it isn't, but it certainly had themes that you're like, this is something that I've seen before and it felt comfortable, but it was, t- it still had a different twist on it. You know, it's so it, it's one of those things is that I could see this being one of those series that people get and it feels like home, you know, it's just like, okay, this is a comfortable series. I can, I'm going to buy it every week because it makes me feel good or buy it every time. Cause it makes me feel good. Even the story should not make you feel good. It's dark. Yeah. I so. think my, my, my position right now is to say that I would like to still have available to me to be able to make my customers happy wherever I meet them. I still want to have number one cover a, when we get to the end of the series, I still want to be able to put together for whoever just wanders into the store. I still want to be able to have them available for people to be able to get that number one still. Okay. And I've tried before with lots of series and not been very successful. I'm still doing good for crossover. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a tough thing to be able to have enough to meet demand for something that actually ends up being a high demand book. Absolutely. Well, and I don't know if I said this before we were recording or just before Mark joined because... I, you know, it all blends together for me, uh, my day. But I think you're going to see a lot of people who they maybe pick up number one now and then you don't see them for a little while, but they come back and they buy all 12 as single issues as a bundle later. You know, they treat it like a trade, but they still want the single issues. So I think, I think uh-huh. the demand for ones are going to be around for a while. And I think the demands for twos and threes are going to be really high as well. And just like, you know, you guys know, the downfall of that is retailers base their numbers on the sale of the previous issue. So by issue six, five, six, seven, uh, if we see the numbers going down, we've lowered our numbers for the future issues because we don't. And that makes it more complicated. So, you know, to your point where, yeah, there will be people waiting to get all 12 together. They may not be able to. Uh, and, you know, just to give people an idea of our markets, um, I may be able to order a lot less and still have enough copies available for people walking in because where I am, we've got about 20 stores in a 10-mile radius, or, and there might be other stores where there is only one store in a one-hour radius. Um, so, you know, that's, that's also something to take into consideration when we're placing our orders on that book. Yeah, in my market, when I had a store, if I ordered a thousand, I'd be the only store within an hour that did. Uh, well, I can't say that. I might be one of two stores within an hour that did. Yeah. Uh, you'd have to drive out of state, most likely, to find another store. However, if I ordered a thousand, I'm basically signing my store closing notice because to be able to out to outlay that kind of money on a book and then have to wait sixty days to return it. I've got five other stores in market that I have to compete with every week yep. and it's going to limit what I, what else I can order that week. And then the following week and the following week and the following week and the following week and the following. And it, you know, so it, it's one of those things is that it'd be a weird, it's a weird game to play. You know, do I want to be the only store in Toledo that has it? That has a one in a thousand. Do I want to be the only store that's got issue one for the next two years? Or do I play the game of I'm going to beat, you know, I've got to compete with these other guys. I've got to beat them some other way. That's um, the other reason why we didn't order is because uh, Pokemon is a hot item right now. 
Yeah. And there's two or three new sets dropping in the next few weeks. Um, and we've got our money, you know, even though I know there's going to be allocations of what we've ordered, a lot of our cash is being reserved for that. Uh, and that was something else I took into consideration today as well. Uh, as I was going through FOC, when I looked at my numbers, I'm like, okay, I got to cut this. There's, there's, you got to give somewhere. So, you know, as you were saying, Kai, you, you got to give somewhere. And that's, you know, this might be the book for me at least where we'll see. But how many boxes of Pokemon did you have to reserve to get the autographed Charizard card? <laughs> well, if, if the box has a Charizard in it, it's already, you know, worth a few hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> now, if they can get an autograph, I'm sure it's worth a few million dollars, and I'll reserve a few billion boxes of that. <laughs> so, uh, where, so... You know, again, I made it an MSNBC joke when I popped on, but like, did was this in the news or is this something that's sort of like in you know comic shop owner world, like the the news of this uh, Berserker Keanu Reeves one in a thousand variant? They they have marketed this variant extre- extremely well. Yeah, Boom Studios has done a great job of marketing this book and this variant, and while stores having to necessarily place their orders or whatever might not be the news. The news has been for two weeks now. This is the day. If you don't tell your store by this day, you got to tell, you know, you've got to let your store know by today, oh. you know, if you want this book or not. So like I said, is, is it, is it specifically news? No, but it's been in the zeitgeist of comic book fans and pop culture fans now for three months that this day was coming. Okay, because, yeah, I didn't remember Anderson Cooper tossing to that story, but I was just, you know, I was just trying to figure out if this was... <laughs> I think maybe you watched the wrong news, Mark. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, uh, Nerd News Now is is on right now, but, um, no, I, uh, well, I, this isn't something that's going to be on your local news or anything like that either, and I, I just wonder, all three of you can speak to this, because, um, you know, I'm taking, like, the strictly consumer customer perspective because i've never owned uh, a comic book shop or haven't had to do any focs but is this the thing that's going to end up being more annoying than profitable because is it going to be a type of thing where that day you're going to get a hundred calls from a hundred non-customers that just slam the phone down when you say dude we had to order five thousand dollars worth of books of course we don't have that like is this going to or because I can't really see it working to the benefit of someone comes in, they're ready to throw down, you know, they think they're going to be able to pick up this Keanu Reeves signed book for maybe a hundred bucks because they know nothing about comics. And then when you say, no, we don't have that. I don't think they're going to go, Oh, I'll just spend five bucks on a comic. Cause I don't know. But what is your opinion on that? Like, is it just one of those circumstances where, any marketing or any attention is good and maybe you'll get some runoff business or are you just going to get a headache from having to deal with cranky customers on the phone? I think we're going to have to to spin it, right? We're going to have to try to, to turn a negative into a positive for them and say, you know what? That book is spoken for, but I have got these other really swanky covers and I bet you next time you go to a, a Movie your premiere that he might be there or a convention if he might be there it would be probably be a good idea to have some of these books in case i see that brings up another interesting point if if a if a shop owner were to say that book is spoken for 
and a customer just flushed with cash comes in and goes, well, maybe I can speak louder than that other person. <laughs> there, that's 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 play it that way. That's that's you know, it's... But that's those are the business owners that are pretty short-sighted. you got to keep your customers happy. You know, I know Miss Jen, I know Brainy, I know I would never do that. But there will be store owners that are just out there like, okay, the first person to come in and offer me the most cash... They'll put an auction up on eBay. They'll run an auction in an auction house or whatever, and they'll try that. But I would say this to your earlier point. You know, uh, a rising tide raises all ships, but a change in elevation often causes a headache. So <laughs> I don't think you get one without the other. Um, you know, this is going to bring a lot of new eyes to this industry just because Keanu himself has been pushing it so hard. Um, and people who only know him as the dude from the Matrix and the guy who gets angry if you hurt his dog um, are going to come to this and say, "Okay, well, what is this comic book thing about?" And they're going to get they're going to get snotty when we don't have the 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 one in a thousand variant for them. But if we can sell them a one in two hundred and fifty variant, or a one in five hundred variant, or a one in fifty variant, and convert them to the fandom, that's the goal, right? No. So you're going to get, you're going to have a headache. You're going to hate the world next, you know, that Wednesday. But if, if you can make it worth it, then you've won. One thing we have to keep in mind is, and, and you know, as we're talking amongst ourselves, we know what a one in 10, one in 50, one in 200 variant is. A person off the street, it will have no idea what a one in 1000 is. They won't care it's a one in 1,000. All they want is that one book that they heard Keanu signed. Um, and they're expecting to pay $4 for that book because, you know, that's what a comic book costs. Well, 25 cents to some people. It's like, I used to pay 25 cents for that book. <laughs> um, and that's going to be very hard to relay to uh, some customers out there to tell them, hey, we had to get 1,000 copies of this just to get one issue. Um, some people, you know, I would say most people understand, but there's always going to be those people are like, I don't care how many you had to get. I want that book. Uh, so that, that'll be a very interesting um, scenario to see how it goes. Oh, yeah. One of the things that I used to do, and I, it probably made me a bad retailer, but I don't, I didn't really care, is when somebody would come in with that mentality. I want the one in a thousand book. Okay. I sold mine. But I know this other person who has one over here on eBay. Uh, <laughs> I will buy it. And I'm going to mark it up. So it's going to cost you five grand because I'm going to buy it for 2,500 from somebody and then, so that I, and I've got to make money. So it's going to cost you five grand. And they'd right. go, what? And I go, yeah, it isn't a $4 book that you can just walk in off the street and pick up. Right. You had to tell me six months ago that this was something you wanted or three months ago or whatever, that this is something you wanted and get into the pool of people who wanted it to have a chance to get it. You walking in off the street on a random Wednesday, you're we can get you a book, but I'm gonna have to pay whatever some speculators charging on eBay, and then you're gonna have to pay on top of that. Absolutely. And that seems to that seems to understand people a little better, you know. And then you go, or I could sell you this this other very cool variant that he hasn't signed, you know, for 25 bucks. And then you can find him at San Diego Comic-Con or wherever you're going to try and go find him and get him to sign it yourself. Now you've met him. If you already own the signature, then you don't even get to meet Keanu. Like, 
-hmm. you know, sell them on the adventure. Yeah. And after you after you tell them, well, I can get you the book, but it's going to cost you your, you know, your firstborn child and probably have to remortgage your house. You know what I think would be hilarious is if someone comes in on that day and tries to slide me a gold coin from the Continental. <laughs> it might, get might have to sell it to them. Gold. <laughs> Especially right now, uh, you know. It seems gold and silver are being driven up by the same guys that drove up uh, GameStop. That would be true. It's so much. If you want to talk about something making the actual national news, that would do that, it. The one had actual gold coin they slid, so they slid across the counter and actually were able to buy that book. <laughs> yeah, I just don't like, I don't see the, you know, like when, when Superman died, like that was on the local news. Correct. So I, that 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 was my question earlier. Was like, is this on the news or something? Because I just felt, you know, one jumping into a conversation out out of the loop. But two, I just I had not I've not heard about this book, and I just I don't know maritime poetry like Kyle or whatever. But it reminds me of the Modest Mouse song, uh, "We Were Dead Before the Ship Even Sank." Like I just feel like if someone walks in there and like I want the Counter Reeves autograph book, I don't think like. You could you could spin it in that well like hey here's a one in a hundred variant it's gonna cost you fifty bucks but if you do your due diligence send it to PSA wait six months go on eBay wait six months it can probably make you hundred twenty bucks for fifty bucks and 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 that leads me to just another uh, brainy you mentioned Pokemon and I just wonder if people because there is a a mad fervor for pokemon and investing and card flipping and you know buying a box now and if you have if you have the money to buy a box of pokemon now and just keep it in your closet for three years you could potentially make a lot of money because we're starting to see like these you know the boxes from the late 90s early 2000s they're four hundred fifty thousand. now i'm not saying that these boxes coming out in the next few months are going to be anywhere near that but i almost would guarantee someone if you bought a booster box from 120 now, waited five years, you can sell it for 500. And if you're like a long, I, I just wonder if that's going on in with with comic shops now, where it's like the uh, not just the speculative market, but just like people because of COVID, I think it kind of turned everyone on their head, and we realized that like we do like tangible things again. Um, some some of us were already you know still collecting DVDs and Blu-rays and things like that. But I just think now there's a, a renewed market for um, collecting the tangible items. Um, and like that Keanu Reeves book, you could convince someone, hey, if you came in and dropped 4000 on it and go put it in a safety deposit box, you could probably flip this for 20000 in six years. Possibly. But, I mean, but, but, but again, I'm talking about average, like, I saw this on the local news. Give me a copy. Like, I just, you have to explain, you have to give you, a four hour class on collectibles. You <laughs> cannot compare this book to The Death of Superman. That was a totally different, I mean, that was a, it, it, it was an iconic character being killed off. Nobody thought he would ever come back. You know, it was the end of an era. So that's a totally different. And this is also in the it, 90s when books were making millions of copies. And right. I apologize, guys. Uh, I do have mm -hmm. to depart. Um, I mean, we could probably, <laughs> spend this entire show talking about this topic so mm -hmm. uh, it's true 
but I just to piggy Brady, thank you for setting me up because that's where I was going. I was going to say that exact same thing. You know, the death of Superman was very different. I mean, up until a few years ago, death of Superman books I gave away if they were in the red poly bag. You know, sealed in the poly bag, I gave them away. Now they're worth five bucks. Uh-huh. You know, the white the white logo was it is worth twenty five. The silver logo is worth one hundred and fifty now. And but those books book was only for- cost. 50 cents when they came out or whatever it was it, it was going for what a hundred dollars a week after it was released yeah uh and now it's only worth five ten dollars and guys uh i do apologize i will see you guys next week hey brandy see you, see you next time thanks for being on Bye, brother yeah and, and and my point was not to say oh berserker number one's as important as superman but when i popped in on the conversation I thought something had happened like the average Joe knows about this book because I'm a super nerd. I collect all of the stuff. I didn't know about this. So I didn't know if this was like if this was I, I, I wasn't seeing this popping up on any sites for like, hey, pre-order the autograph Counter Reeves copy. So I just didn't you know, I didn't know if this was like strictly an FOC thing, insider knowledge, like pe- people knowing because obviously they're not going to market that to me. Like, I'm not going to go uh, to Amazon and see an ad for like, hey, Mark, buy a case of a thousand Keanu Reeves comics and you'll get a CGC copy of his signature. So that that's the, the only reason I made that comparison is because you rarely see comics on the mainstream news. So it was... And, and, and that's true. I mean, but... The other thing you have to remember is the phenomenon the people who bought The Death of Superman made it. Women coming out of comic book stores saying, this is my kid's college fund. You know, yeah. it's it's a different time. It's a different market. Uh, you know, it's like comparing the price of an apple to the price of a grain of rice. Um, I mean, Superman was an apple. And a new book now is a grain of rice. And it's, could does this have... Apple potential, sure, but it could also just be a grain of rice. And so I think the 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 important part of this for nerds out there, for people who might be watching the show, is to look at it and say, is are there covers I like? Do I like the book? Buy the covers of you like if you like the book. If you don't like the book, don't buy it. Or just buy the A cover and then keep your mouth shut. You know, um, but I think for the hardcore fan, the one in a thousand is a really um, potentially lucrative and really tempting option. And I think where you'll see it on the local news is when somebody buys one for $50,000 or $100,000, somebody gets taken on eBay or some they put somebody puts one in Christie's. You know, a 10.0 is at the auction house and it breaks a record. You know, the highest selling new comic ever. That's mm-hmm. when you're going to see it. And that's going to drive a lot of the value back to Jen and to Brainy Stores is when somebody does something that I'm going to call stupid. You know, but it really does spark that story. And I think you're going to see it on the entertainment news well before you see it on the evening news. I think entertainment tonight. Hollywood Reporter. Sure. You know, those kind of people are going to cover it. I don't necessarily know that, you know, 
uh, Scott Pelly is going to be outside Midtown Comics asking people about Berserker. You know. That would be cool. Even, it would be. You know, I mean, we could send him an email. but Yep. You know, I was just talking with our with a PR guy about, hey, can we can we get some people to cover something? And he, you know, he's he could totally do it, but it doesn't make any sense. So I'd just be happy if who hosts entertainment tonight now. Who knows? Oh, but I don't know. Mario Lopez from Extra is reporting on it, maybe. So we have been talking about this for 50 minutes. probably for people that don't know what's going on behind the scenes in comic book shops this is probably you know kind of like an eye-opening experience that they might know not not know any of these things that happen behind the scenes and the way we think about things we're not sitting there sitting there to ourselves when we're making these orders thinking i'm going to make a butt ton off of that book we're just thinking how can i meet the demand and need of my customer base in a you know a responsible way and, and is there a way to do it responsibly in this case? There's, there may not be one a way to say that that's true or not in this case at all. Right. And we're talking about one book coming out in a week. So mm-hmm. if you ordered a thousand, you've got to outlay 5K for that thousand copies. Then you're probably going to have a few thousand other dollars on the 30 to 35 other titles that come out that week, right? So now you're looking at a seven, an eight, a nine thousand dollar investment, maybe even more, a a five figure investment for a bigger shop. You know, on one week's worth of comics, and it's just it's why it's so important to support your local comic book store because if somebody's going to outlay ten grand for a week's worth of comics, you know. You need to go in and pick up your pull list, man. Yep. I just, uh, I know I'm taking a unique perspective on this being, uh, once again, a consumer, but it's like, I get aggravated now being of a certain age where, you know, I have a job and I like to buy stuff where I can't buy stuff. So it's like I hear about that, and it's like I would rather just have a price tag and be done with it. And if I didn't want to buy it, then I don't buy it. But, uh, you know, with all the convention exclusives and the subscription services or, uh, you know, like cater to collectors like HasbroPulse.com, it's just annoying when they make you pay like 60 bucks to subscribe to it for free shipping, but then every item you want is sold out because – you logged on at 9.59 when it went on sale at 10, and then they told you, oh, sold out. And then you go on eBay, and there's, like, Transformers figures for 525 bucks. And I know I'm doing, like, you know, figures, the comics or whatever, but as a collector, it gets very, very frustrating of, like, why aren't they making more? Why aren't they doing this? And it just seems like I, I was just trying to figure out what good does it really do for anyone but but the few people that are able to successfully flip this to to do that deal <laughs> i had i had this conversation with an indie creator friend of mine not that long ago about scarcity yeah and it's it's hasbro releasing only 100 of a certain transformer or whatever or um these big publishers 
short running their you know uh, their books. Like uh, what was the one that had uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Last Ronin? You yeah. know, really stifled print runs and creating this scarcity. And I was and my point to him was scarcity only works if you already have the crowd. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that that Hasbro figure they only made a hundred of. If it wasn't Hasbro, if it was Joe Schmo's toy company, it ain't worth anything. If they only made, you know, just because they only made a hundred, it's because it's a transformer that makes people want it. And so it's people who are buying the things. Some of the, a lot of them are speculators and people who are looking to flip them. I'm, I get it, but there are people who are buying them who are actually fans who are willing to shell it out. And so I think it's an interesting thing looking at the scarcity of the market. And we're looking at it right now at a time where markets are fluctuating wildly because of availability of product, availability of, you know, materials, availability of all kinds of things. BCW, who makes bags and boards, can't produce boards for comics because they can't get the materials imported because of the, the, the pandemic. Uh, they can't make hardcover graphic novels because they can't get the boards that make the hardcover. Like, so all of a sudden, these companies have a scarcity problem, but it isn't necessarily even that they're trying to have scarcity. It's that they're forced into scarcity. You know, they're having to make they're having to make financial decisions six months ago on something that's being produced to come out now. And six months ago, who are still shut down or not? And so it's, you know, I think it's a really interesting time to look at what these markets are. And as a consumer, I think it's really important to remember that when you buy the stuff, unless you're buying it directly from Hasbro, you're buying it from somebody who ordered it with the intent to sell it to you. And if they don't have it, it's because probably because they couldn't get as many as they wanted. You know, it's a it's a really weird kind of world we're living in because of that. It's. I need bags and boards really bad, but I also have a brand preference and that brand can't get me anything until next year. So what do I do? You know, and I think it's important as a consumer to remember that, that when you buy something from a re local retailer, especially, and even big box stores that they're at the mercy of what gets made. And sometimes they're getting told, you want to buy a hundred of these, you're going to get seven. So, I don't know. I was really bummed that I didn't get the Transformer I wanted from Hasbro Pulse, is all I'm saying. Yeah, which one was it? Or were you just, you know, using uh, it? No, uh, I, I don't even remember now. It was I actually wanted it for my nephew for Christmas. But, like, he wanted it. I'm not a Transformers guy, but I was really bummed when I couldn't get it. Yeah, it's uh no, it's, and and you know I I know it's like apples and oranges comics and uh, you know toys, but it's like they're all collectibles and just as a consumer now with the ability to buy things, I'm always like, why don't you want my money? Like make more. Like the 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 most recent frustration was when the Miles Morales game came out for PS4 and PS5. Adidas did a Miles Morales shoe, and it's like you know. You log on, you're you're on there, you're you know your browser's twirling for an hour, and then it's sold out. But then you go to eBay and they're selling them for five hundred bucks a pair. And it's like I know the companies have the technology to prevent that from happening, to prevent the bots, to 
go on eBay and find out who ordered it and cancel that order. Because I'm talking about when it's like posted, like, you know, two weeks before they're even going to receive the item, they already have a listing up on eBay. So a company, if they wanted to, if they felt like it, could go in there and cancel that order because it hasn't shipped out. Um, a, a very easy fix to me would be, um, and I don't know how you guys would feel about this, but what if you made these exclusive offers to um, recent purchasers? Meaning if Hasra Pulse emailed me and said, hey, Mark, on Wednesday at 11, because you purchased Transformers for the last two years, we're going to let you buy this first, and then we're going to release it to the public. So then that way you don't have like first time scalpers, you know, hearing that, oh, I can flip this figure coming out on Friday for, for 200 bucks easy or whatever. And I, I just wonder if there's like some better embedded system that they could do. But for me, it just seems that they don't want to put the time, resources, money, and effort into preventing scalpers. Like it's I, almost like the bots and scalpers are good for their business, you know? <laughs> I think there are two things there that you're talking about. One is bots and scalpers and one is pre-sales. So, Jen's not going to get Berserker number one for three weeks. She should totally have a listing up somewhere going, this is what it is. This is what I'm asking. Here's your chance to buy it. Now, whether that's eBay or whether that's in store or whatever, she should have that. That book should be sold the second it hits her store. Because that's the most efficient way to not go out of business. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and so with Adidas... They already have the following, and they know Miles Morales has the following, so they're only going to make a limited number of this shoe. And they could make more, but why? But, but then it's not rare or exclusive. They just made 100 of them, and they're going to wind up at Schottenstein's or whatever discount department store you have. So the other problem you have is the bots and scalpers, right? Just because you've been buying Transformers for the last two years doesn't mean the bots and scalpers also haven't. How do they know who's a human and who's not? So they're going to they're going to offer it to you early, but you're still going to have the bots and scalpers in there that have been doing the same thing that you're doing for two years in the in the room. So it's it's yeah, there's options and there are things you can do and you can see the ticket companies doing it. The concert ticket companies, the event ticket companies doing it. But I think in the collectible market, the secondary market drives the first market, the primary market, so much that trying to cut cut one off from the other is actually hurting them, would be actually be hurting them. You know, so the eBay market on shoes, especially collectible shoes, really helps Foot Locker stick around. You know, like, it just does, because I, I see what Jordans go for. I see what these shoes go for. I'm not a sneakerhead, but I see it. So it really helps Foot Locker stay around. So why would they cut that off, that secondary market? And then at the same time, that secondary market might be flooded with people who have no interest in shoes. They just want the cash. But once once Foot Locker has their dough, what do they care? Right. No, I understand that. It's just that they could they could double the price of the shoe directly from them dissuade scalpers from buying it because their profit margin wouldn't be as high and then someone then the scalper will just double the price i mean they might they might but it's just it's just for me it's just like 
there's more that they could do, but it just may not be worth their while. It's just the same way where blows my mind that billions and billions of fraud for the you know small business loans that were given out for coronavirus to people who they didn't really own a small business. All you would have to do is get a government employee to drive five minutes away in whatever city they were and make sure that the storefront actually exists. Maybe go knock on the door and go, hey, is your business real? Yeah, okay. Same same principle, but they may not have wanted to take that time and expend that resource. So, I well, yeah, that. and how much would that have cost? I mean, well, I, I mean, don't know. It cost, <laughs> it cost a ton of money, it, especially in a city like Houston where there are tons and tons of businesses. Right. Right. And Toledo is significantly smaller, but still tons and tons of businesses that applied for these things. To send people around would cost tons and tons of money. Like, and it's, you could just approve it and give everybody a little something, or you could spend a billion dollars just on the state of Ohio trying to prove who's real and who's not. I, I just feel like you probably could have paid, you know, an Uber Eats driver 20 bucks to go to five businesses an hour and save like $4 billion in pride. Maybe. I'm just like, th- there's other ways to do it. I, I know, you know, but yeah, I, I'm just saying... The, fr- the frustration as the consumer is <laughs> is real. <laughs> and I get that. I mean, as a consumer, I get that. But I'm also the kind of consumer that my local comic... So we go back to Berserker. My local comic shop knew the day Berserker was announced, hey, I'm going to be in for the main cover and probably three or four other covers. They knew. And they know that they can count on me to come in on that Wednesday with cash and set it on the counter. I'm that guy. When I, you know, when I'm when I call the shoe store cuz I go to a specialty shoe store cuz I'm one of those weirdos, I, you know, they I go, "Hey, I need you to order this pair of New Balance this." And they know I'm going to come in with a stack of cash and set it down on the counter. So I'm that guy. Like when I see something coming out, I contact the people I can get it from and say this is what I want. You know, and I can't do that with 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 uh Hasbro Pulse, but that's part of the fun of that too for me. Like, because I can prepare and I can plan to buy or I can play the game. So, with certain things, I enjoy playing the game. And with other things, it's, you know, I've got, I, I talk to the dealers, I talk to the people I can buy from. So, as a consumer, I totally get it. But I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a really bad example at this because I was a store owner for so long because I was the guy behind the counter, but I also am a specialty consumer for so much stuff. You know, I'm at the record store. I buy certain records because they're on certain weight vinyl and there's certain, you know, at the music store, I buy certain guitars because they come with certain kinds of chords. Like it's, I see both sides and, for me, it's just a, you got to kind of accept what comes to you in some regard. 180 gram weight. I like the way yep. those records feel in my hands, man. I, yep, 180 gram. If they're any less than 180 grams, I don't want them. Yeah, I well, I mean, I like. 210 gram record the other day. Yeah. It's unplayable, but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I like the I like the you know doing the well pre pandemic I like doing the deep dive and you know like the dollar bin, 
and finding some, you know, classic records with beat up sleeves from the 70s and 80s, those will get a good play. But you see the scratches on them and it like you can see like where people I've even had a case of like people whiting out certain tracks (laughs) that they didn't that they didn't. So it would just skip over it. Uh, Pretty inventive uh, for, you know, listening to music in the 80s. There was really no other option to do so. But uh, uh, don't even get me started on vinyl records because that's a whole different thing. But (laughs) well, because one of the one of the one of the bots I battled, battle bots, battle bots, bot battling bots, Mark battles bots, is Mondo from Austin. They release incredible records, incredible records, posters, figures, everything. But these things are limited sometimes as low as 300 pieces. And if you do not click, you know, at 9.59.59 for a 10 a.m. sale, you're toast. And, uh, you know, it's just like, again, my frustration is because I live on just that one side of it, right? So I understand everything that it would take to make me happy and how that's not the most important part of this equation, so... I get it. I'm just saying that I like vinyl records. Yes. Bring back yeah. vinyl. Um, so did you guys really just talk about a Keanu Reeves sign book for like an hour and something? We did. I, mean, I, it's, I, I did it for 56 minutes. So, yeah. But uh, so you want to run through some news? I can actually make this relatable. So. This whole, the whole like flipping and flopping and bots and scalpers and like, it it, it kind of goes, you know, people are trying to make money always, but especially right now, right? And then we have the whole game stock thing. And I won't bore people with like, you know, what shorting is and all that. Just watch the big short and you can figure it out. Um, But this is something that did make the local news. Like it's everywhere. It's on every station regardless of where it's about the stock market or not like this is a a big deal and if you post about it you'll get banned from facebook what now if you post about it they will ban you from facebook for a day posting about posting about like if you just you have to you have to like put the at sign in it or misspell it slightly so that their bots can't get you but yeah facebook is actually giving people 24-hour timeouts for sharing investing you know tips about this particular instance oh wow like i didn't i I didn't know that but um the uh so so all that all that happened the public is trying to process it wall street's trying to process it we'll see what happens this is a nerd show so my my takeaway from this is that today three projects were announced and we all know about the whole uh, Deep Impact versus Armageddon. We understand that Hollywood, like, they buy certain ideas, and they know that these movies about the same thing are going to be released, right? Right. Uh, we also know that a lot of these are, like, dead in the water when it comes to, you know, production time. The the project may get scrapped. But three projects announced today, one from MGM based off a book that is not written yet about the GameStop thing, uh, from the writer who wrote uh, the the book that Social Network was based on, um, one from a one from a company that's never done anything, and they're going to entitle a miniseries to the moon, which is something that stock people say when when an you know like this stock is going to the moon. 
Um, the the third project could actually happen. It's a Netflix original by the writer uh, of the Hurt Locker, and it's uh, already uh, it's already tabbed uh, Noah Centineo um, to star in it. He's going to be Adam Smasher in The Rock's upcoming DC film Black Adam. So that one, because it's Netflix and because we know a reputable company just pushing out stuff left and right, that could actually happen. Kyle's um, eyes out right now. <laughs> what now? Kyle's starting to dig his eyes out. Because <laughs> he wishes there wasn't like six projects. He can't wait. He can't wait to be inundated with, with Game Stonk, the movie. Um, so, can I tell you, the only reason I ever saw the Social Network movie is because I'm a fan of Aaron Sorkin. So I watched it. Like, the whole concept of based on a real person's life or based on true events. If it isn't written by Aaron Sorkin, I'm not going to watch it. Um, it's why I've seen Moneyball. It's why I saw the Steve Jobs movie. You know, like it's why Charlie Wilson's work. But it's the idea of making these movies of something we all lived through. Like they're a nostalgia piece or they're a period piece of like last week. Just <laughs> pisses me off no end. Because there are actual stories of actual things that actually happened in the past that are way more interesting than this. And Hollywood will never sniff at them. Hmm? You know, it's... Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, no, I, I, I totally agree. And just uh, one comment about Aaron Sorkin. My favorite thing was Sports Night. That Amen. Ever did. And, uh, but I will say, even though I'm a fan of his work, I think that Family Guy, the best singular joke that Family Guy ever made was the episode where the kids were licking toads to get high. And one kid licks a toad and he goes, and he had this moment of clarity and he goes, oh, I get it. Aaron Sorkin's writing is too good to be funny. And that to me was the, the most hilarious joke Family Guy's ever made Just because I, I do mm -hmm. get it. If someone, if that, if that's not someone's speed, because that is dialogue, 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 dialogue. Like, I get it, but I love Aaron Sorkin. I do agree with you. And this is something that these movies wouldn't be out for two years. So it's like, what you know, people want to know about this now. That's why I would just say, just watch the Big Short, and you know, uh, you you know, go to right. your favorite YouTuber who will explain it concisely for. But this is on like sports radio, and it, like it's, it is absolutely everywhere. So that's another reason why like. I don't want anything to do with, you know, a, a fictional piece about it. But I don't understand society because as soon as the pandemic happened, what was the number one stream movie that week? Contagion. So, uh, well, but Contagion happened before the pandemic. It did. You but know, outbreak happened before the pandemic. pandemic Those movies existed already. Yeah. Now, when you make the COVID movie, I will come for you. <laughs> Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the first, like, unless they wait 50 years, you know, and this is a day after tomorrow type film, like, you know, like, unless they wait until I'm long dead, I will come for someone who tries to make a pandemic movie, you know, like about this pandemic in the next couple of years. It's just, we lived it. We got it. You don't need to tell us our own stories. Now, there is a show out called Love in the Pandemic that's an interesting look at dating and all of this. That I won't watch either because it's like a reality show, like 90 Day Fiance. But still, 
that's at least an interesting twist. But if you want to talk about, we don't, if you want to make a movie, we don't have enough face shields. Jump off a bridge. Like, just no. We remember when we didn't have enough face shields. We still don't. Like, well, you know, I know we're running out of time. I did have um, a segment about Aaron Sorkin's new show about face shields, but I guess we'll just skip over that. Uh, <laughs> but I just so you know, Mark, just to outline my Sorkinism, I own on multiple formats everything he's ever done. I actually have shooting scripts purchased from people who worked on the shows for every episode of Sports Night, every episode of The West Wing, and I'm buying Studio 60 as we speak. Like, shooting scripts. Like, the... That's who I am. If you have a question, I can go back to the original scripts. uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip was also phenomenal. Just, I I loved it. Shout out. I loved it. Right. The only thing palatable that I've ever seen Matthew Perry in. That's the only time I ever liked Matthew Perry. He was in in a couple episodes of The West Wing that were pretty good. Yeah, I, I... you know, I'm not, I'm not like, uh, I'm not embarrassed by this, but I'm just going to say I still have to dive into the West Wing. So Matt Perry comes in and just as spot a spot guest as a lawyer, but he figures out that the vice president, who's played by Otter from Animal House, can't keep it in his yeah. pants, which is totally perfect for Otter from Animal House. So like that's Matthew Perry's whole story, and then he just just disappears. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I really need to find sports night and just binge that again it's josh, on amazon prime josh charles is great on that too peter Krause, of course but everyone everyone that that cast was was awesome um <laughs> do, does anyone care about set photos like people are going crazy because there's set photos from thor i it's like okay you do miss jen so what is your what's your takeaway on them or i mean like because i know we, we talked about going back to you know wonder woman and you had to watch like the trailer for nine months so i just didn't know if like with thor can you get over inundated with with news from set or for you is it more about like being able to you know speculate uh like oh they put up a picture uh looks like tooth nasher and tooth grinder so i gotta go get journey into mystery number 299 stuff like that or (laughs) or what is it I think this is a, it's different, right? If it was a trailers, 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 the trailers give you a whole bunch of information about the movie and it feels like you watch the movie. Yeah. Set photos are one snapshot into what's going on the, on the film. So yes, now we know the likelihood that those characters, Thor's, you know, I don't know what you would call them, chariot. (laughs) Chariot pets. Yeah. Might be on there. I mean, if they show me, picture of Thori, I'd be way more ex- excited. That's his dog. But um, I think those kinds of things are fun. They're like, give, let us have something to look forward to. So I haven't seen them in motion. I haven't seen what they're doing. I don't see whether they're, they're fitting in the story. But I know they're coming, and that excites me. So these, I think these, like, set photos are a lot more exciting to me and are less spoilery, even though I know a thing. I don't know how it fits into anything either. So looking at these as a straight man... I will say Chris Hemsworth looks good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's, he's got a he's got a Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse thing going from the back. Like I'm I'm not excited for the movie. I'm not excited for Thor: Love and Thunder. I think the name is great, and it's, I bet the soundtrack's amazing. Yeah, but I'm not a fan of the Tatawakiki works. Uh, 
Because generally they're more humor than they are comic book. <laughs> My husband just about came off the couch. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I but I'm the. I remember I haven't liked the comic book movie since the original Spider-Man. You broke Mark. <laughs> I know. I'm fine with it. But my problem is, is that when you tell me a movie is coming, you know, I'm going to read everything I can read about it. And if you don't tell the story that you're supposed to tell from the comic books, I get angry. Yeah. Okay. So, Tato Akiki taking a story and telling a very good story, but it's a new story, and then placing the name on it, like, uh, you know, uh, he did on the last Thor movie that was actually World War Hulk the movie. Like, you're not telling the Ragnarok story. Don't pretend to tell me you're trying to tell the Ragnarok story. That's my problem. And I don't mind the humor. I don't love the humor, but I don't mind it. So I'm not looking forward to this movie. I'm totally going to see it. But so the set photos to me, at least, you know, all right, Chris Hemsworth, I see you. Mm-hmm. You know, he's coming off that Hulk Hogan workout. That, you know, which, which the whole Todd Phillips doing a Hulk Hogan movie after seeing the Joker, I, I, I don't even know what adjective is used to describe, you know, my thoughts about that. I interested, I guess, like, what could you possibly do about that? Um, I guess another thing with set photos is people that haven't been keeping up and they see him and Chris Pratt, they're like, wait a minute, Chris Pratt's in this movie. And then they maybe Google it and then see that like half the guardians are in the movie. Um, and personally I would be, you know, more entertained if Dave Bautista would have shown up in the Royal Rumble last night. But, I mean, it's fine. Like, whatever. You know, like, if people get excited about that. My yes. pick for the Royal Rumble was the ghost of Hulk Hogan's career. Oh, man. <sighs> I, I mean, I, I was wrong. But... <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Sick burns all around. So, so, you won't, so you won't be seeing the uh, Todd Phillips uh, Hulk Hogan movie. Oh, it's a wrestling movie. I might, because it's professional wrestling, and it's from my era of professional wrestling. As long as they have a good representation of the Macho Man, I'm good. I'm in. Because you can't talk about Hulk Hogan without talking about Andre the Giant, the Macho Man, and the, uh, 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 the Warrior. Uh, because he had big, you know, big life story arcs with those guys. So, as long as they've got good representation there, I'd be in. I... Again, I don't know if it's about his early career. That might be a way to bypass all that. I have no idea. Uh, what What is your, just real quick, what's your favorite movie about wrestling? Like, is it The Wrestler? Because I just feel like I can't think of anything where, it, like, that was just an emotional powerhouse that also told me a, a story of a simple man trying to do one thing and just, like, what it really means to, like, Sacrifice your body after hearing people going wrestling, fake wrestling, fake wrestling, fake your whole life. Yeah, and I don't know that there is another real wrestling movie, but I'm gonna go ahead and pick whichever Rocky movie it was where Hulk Hogan beat up Rocky. That's my favorite movie about wrestling. Yeah, when he was Thunderlips. That was Rocky um, three. With, uh, okay, I wasn't sure if it was two or three, but yeah, um, probably that one. But it's the wrestler. I think is the only one about it. Uh, is the only one like that. Now there's some great wrestling documentaries. The 30 for 30 they did on the Flair family, especially Ric Flair, is pretty great. Uh, And New Japan Pro Wrestling has produced some really great documentaries, if you don't mind reading subtitles, 
about, you know, some of the guys who have worked over there uh, over the years. Have you seen the Vice docuseries Dark Side of the Ring? Mm-hmm. Hard watch. It's a very it's a very hard watch, and obviously that's what it's about. It's just not <laughs> not yeah. uh, happy stories, but it just shows you like kind of the mm-hmm. mental you know what happens over time when you just dedicate. Well, and I've, I'm friends with a lot of guys who have made it to different levels of the professional wrestling world. Um, you know, I for a minute out of high school trained to be a wrestler. Uh, because I was a theater kid in high school, but I'm also 6'2", 300 pounds, and was the middle linebacker on the football team. So I had everything you needed to be a professional wrestler. And then I went the first day, and I got, you know, dropped by one of the teachers. I was like, no, I'm good. I don't need this. I'm good. But I tried for a little while to do it. Um, But I know a bunch of guys who've had various levels of success. I know a couple guys who are on the AEW roster, a couple of guys who are on the WWE roster, a bunch of guys who still work in the indies and it is brutal. You know, you think about any job, but now imagine you're also punishing your body every night for sometimes 50 or hundred bucks, enough money to put gas in your tank and get to the next city. Um, there's a great guy and I'm going to have him on something eventually. Uh, Terry, uh, Garen, Terrence Guido Garen, uh, who's Rhino in the WW, you know, in the wrestling pantheon. You know, Rhino. Yeah, I know Rhino. He lives up the road from me. He owns a boatyard. But he's one of those guys that he's still out there doing it. And he owns an indie wrestling promotion, but he still drives city to city when he's on when he's on an arc with TNA or Impact or whatever they're calling themselves now. And he'll come back and he'll just be like, Kyle, I can't get out of bed for a couple of days. You know, after he gets off the road and it's just I get it. And this is a dude who is in phenomenal physical shape. And so if you're a professional wrestling fan, watch Dark Side of the Ring. It's amazing. But also just be ready to be to watch something happy right after because it's yeah, it's brutal, man. It's brutal. Um, just to throw this out there, uh, I think Rhino's gore was the best finishing move of 2001. And... I've taken a gore. Oh, sell a gore. It actually does do that to you. <laughs> uh, we For a minute, he was working on a small indie promotion here in Toledo when he was off the road, and a friend of mine was one of the other wrestlers, and he had gotten hurt and couldn't take the gore, but they had to end the story so Rhino could go back on the road. And so the shtick was is that I was his manager, and I got in the ring, and you know we lost so Rhino could go on the road, but Rhino gored me at the end. And I just remember going... I think I just crapped my pants. Um, I do not think this went well. And Rhino goes, no, that's how it's supposed to feel. <laughs> oh, well, it hurts. Just right through here. I had a big bruise. It was awesome. Oh, and then uh, Stephen Amell, uh, there's going to be a Stars original called Heels, which yes. I'm interested by. Uh, I'm, still, I'm still reeling from the fact that Glow's not coming back for season four, but... Can- can we talk about heels for a minute? So Stephen ML, uh, and it t- ties into a story that Jen sent us today in our research, and it's just wild how this is going to work. Are you ready? Right. Yeah. Stephen ML, while shooting heels, was on a podcast called Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. And Michael Rosenbaum starts talking to him about what's it like coming off of Arrow. And on the podcast, Stephen ML had a panic attack and a nervous breakdown and had to, like, 
leave the podcast and get help. And he did a two part series. It was amazing with Rosenbaum about it. And so I'm very looking forward to heels because I know he worked really hard on it and it took a ton out of him, both physically and emotionally. And I know he's very high on it. So, but to bring that back around inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum had Ernie Hudson on talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is a movie I cannot wait to see. Uh, and the story Jen sent us is that it's it's more about Winston Zeddemore's backstory. And I'm reading this article that Jen sent me, and I like actively out loud like yelled when I read that originally Winston was supposed to be Eddie Murphy. Yep. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> How yeah. different is that movie with Eddie Murphy in it? Like, I don't think it's as good. Because you got Eddie Murphy chewing on the scenery with these guys, you know, and then we don't get Beverly Hills Cops. So I think this is the best possible scenario, right? <laughs> so, so that means that means that that half of that cast was supposed to be Eddie Murphy and John Belushi originally. Yeah, I mean, that that would have been, yeah. So, but uh, no, I can't wait. Uh, I think that's awesome because Winston Zendemore is like. Oh, you know, I, I grew up on real Buster, real Ghostbusters cartoons and action figures, and Winston was my favorite. And Ernie Hudson is—I'm sure both of you have had the opportunity to be at a show that he's at, and he's just the nicest guy in the world. And he's always—and he like, hustles at shows too. He I, does. He, 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 does. Is, he, he meets everybody, and yeah. he has to listen to that song all day because yes. he brings the ecto with him, and it's just like, and like he brings the suit. I mean, he brings the suit. Yeah. He, he, the whole the whole nine yards and uh, i'm just glad that like because when you watch it it just feels like you know what is like tacked on or he's not getting screen time or not getting you know and so i i'm i'm hoping that this is true that that it, they actually like flesh out that character and that uh you know that he gets his due because this dude has hustled uh, on and about that role for 30 years so i'm just i'm glad to hear that and Especially that he's happy with with how it portrays Winston, so cannot wait. Um, can't wait for that. that another and one if, of the you're, if you're looking for a podcast, check out Inside of You with Michael yeah. Rosenbaum. And Great just podcast. FYI, and just FYI to make that more nerdy, you know, he was Lex Luthor on Smallville, so. Mm-hmm. And he did. He does routinely have Smallville people on. Some yeah. of his biggest podcasts have been with Tom Welling. So. Yeah, I, I I believe that he came down here for a, a con uh, a year and a half ago when back when there were cons. Mm-hmm. And he's in a great band, so you know. Who's in a great band? What band? Rosenbaum. That's just it's just Rosenbaum. No, he's in a band called Left on Laurel. They're pretty underground. Uh, it's him and a bunch of actual musicians. Uh, not that he's not an actual musician, but you know. He's got a band surrounded. He's surrounded by some dudes who can really play, and it's a pretty decent band. So left on Laurel. Okay, I did not. Uh, I did not know that. What's this Keanu Reeves? Me, I have this repository of really dumb knowledge in the back of my head that's not useful for anything. Uh, should do we need do we need to wrap this up? I don't know how long we've gone or what's going on. I want to go eat some more food. <laughs> yeah, it's an hour and a half. Jen looks tired. It's like eleven fifteen here, and I've been at work for fourteen hours. So okay, I'm, 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put on hold my thoughts on WandaVision, but I'm actually going to tease that the next week I will go in-depth on WandaVision episodes four and five. Okay, good. So, yeah, I'll have watched it by then. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I didn't, no, no spoilers, Kyle. I didn't say anything yet. I just said, like, next week, try if you can, try to watch, uh, get up to episode five, which is the episode that will be released this Friday. Yeah, I'm going to watch it and record we'll myself about watching it live. Yeah. Just as a reaction video, I'm going to record it. Um, so I've been waiting until I could have a day where I can watch all the episodes together, and I think that day is going to be Thursday. Okay. So, very excited. Well, if you need any guest commentary or something, I'm, I'm, I, I talk about it a lot. <laughs> I'm ready. Well, it's, I will ready. send you the video, and you can yell at me for not reacting to the things I should react to. That's cool. A reaction, a reaction video to your reaction video. Yeah, it'll good. be like Inception. Um, and just real quick, uh, they announced a uh, Kingdom of Wakanda for Disney Plus, directed and written by Ryan Coogler. Awesome. Probably not going to happen for a while because they're going to be shooting for six months in Atlanta starting in April for Black Panther 2. Uh, Jim Gordon will be playing Batman on Batman, the audio adventures. That is Jeffrey Wright. He will be uh, doing the voice of Batman for a podcast comedy on HBO Max. So I'm not sure if they're going to like actually show a video of them recording the, this fake Batman radio show, but sounds awesome. It's going to star him, Rosario Dawson, Seth Meyers, Jason Sudeikis, Alan Tudor, Chris Parnell, Melissa Villasenor, Keenan Thompson, Heidi Gardner, Brooke Shields, Tim Meadows, Fred Armisen, Brett Spiner, John Leguizamo, Ike Barinholtz, Bobby Moynihan, Paul Shear, Bray Wise, and more. So. That's something I'm very much looking forward to because I love campy Batman stuff. That uh, cast is insane. Well, it, it, it's it, credit where credit's due. It's going to be spearheaded by longtime SNL writer uh, Dennis McNicholas. So you can obviously... Well, and a lot of those are SNL casts, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the yeah. way, if you get a chance, look at Melissa Villasenor's Dolly Parton impression. Oh, no, I've seen it. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's perfect. <laughs> she 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 is she is uh fantastic so uh any final thoughts from either of you two nope i'm spent okay well thank you miss <laughs> jen as always thank you miss jen thank you kyle thanks for starting the show hopefully i made a little bit of sense talking about industry comic stuff uh, but we'll uh, get back into WandaVision next week. Thank you, Brainy, for being on earlier. And uh, remember to tune in. Uh, you can watch Nerd News Now on WoodlandsOnline.com. You can watch it on your Roku on Woodlands Online. Check out their other shows like Adventure Riggins Show, Woodlands House and Home, Taste Buds, Music Cafe, The Best You, Weekly Fallout Sports, and more. We're on KBQTHD21 over there on your television. You can also... Catch the podcast version of this broadcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we will see you next time on Nerd News Now. <laughs> well, man, I could, I could have. We could talk about wrestling. <laughs> we could you and I get into the weeds on wrestling. Uh, that would be that would be a whole different show. Well, because I'm. I want, I'm going to be doing a podcast on it at some point, but I actually used it as almost like a, everything can be seen as therapy now because you're trying to get through like this 
you know, time of the pandemic and all that. But like, I really, I jumped into the app and I started watching from 99 on SmackDown and Raw. And I made it through like the 2001 season. But yeah, I've just really gotten into it. And it's just something fun for me. I don't take it too seriously. I used to be one of those people that go, oh, wrestling is fake. But then in college, I did a show with this guy who was doing a, a, a show about the Texas Independent League wrestling. And he had me uh, guest star once. And me and my uh, film partner, were we did personas and we went on this mat and all this stuff. Uh, I got choke slammed by one of the guys. And then never again did I ever say right. fake. I, I used the word scripted or staged. Yeah, when it's not going to offend anyone. If if I feel like it's going to offend someone, I just you know talk about storylines or whatever. But uh, it's well, fun. and when you talk to the guys who are working, they'll tell you it's scripted because yeah. What is happening? There's sound coming out of one of my devices. Anyhow, um, no, they'll tell you that it's scripted in the sense that the merch only sells if you script it. Yeah, you know. The tickets only sell if people are there for a story. And it's it's why Ric Flair and his best friend didn't travel together for all those years. You know, it's because they were feuding uh, in the story. It's why, you know, so it's the script is important. Um, But, you know, if you talk to the guys who are working, you know, they don't mind telling you, hey, we know the outcome. We have no idea how we're going to get there. You know, so it's. And it still is, it hurts so bad, you know, doing this stuff. I got in a ring with a buddy of mine who is a fresh face. He's in the super Indies and I just took a bump, you know, he just clotheslined me and I took a bump and I hurt for a week. You know, I'm out of shape now. I'm, you know, I'm old now, you know, he's in his early twenties. It's, it's whatever, but like, you gotta, you know, you gotta remember that, even if it's scripted, even if the outcomes are determined, the violence is not. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and, you know, yeah, it's the, the athleticness that it requires is just insane. And you hear about, you know, bad spots and how they could run careers or, or lives or, you know, because you you get injured. You One day you wake up and you can't walk right ever again the same and i think stone cold has done a good podcast on that in the past mm-hmm. where he's pretty open about it and but yeah it's just uh now being that it's scripted though is the montreal screw job real <laughs> so, you know i have no idea i like to believe it's real yeah because this is crazy like, yeah um there's a there's a wrestler she was on lucha underground and she's worked for triple a and she's blackballed now uh, that went by Sexy Star, and she was so dangerous that basically the whole industry said, we won't work with you. And so you go back to school, and she refused to go back to school, and so she's blackballed. Like, it's wild. I've seen her, literally with my own two eyes, break a woman's neck because she didn't realize where the the stop point was. Like, it's that close. You know, but you talk to these guys and they're like, we practice and we practice and we practice and we we work with each other and we feel it out. And then you work with a guy enough, you don't have to practice as much. You just know, you know, so Ric Flair would talk about getting in the ring with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. They knew that Ricky was going to win or that Rick was going to win, but they had no idea what moves they were going to throw, you know, and they'd clinch up and they'd talk it out and right in the ring, you know. 
figure it out. And it's great. But if you do that podcast, let me know. I'd love to come on. I'd love to be on it. I mean. Well, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, I'm so far behind on it. I've still got two in the can, but yeah, it's just, it's, uh, I can talk about whatever I want. So that would be, that would be cool, man. And if we could. You don't want to know what's really depressing? Go back to WrestleMania one and just watch the WrestleManias. Yeah. And play count the dead guys. Oh, yeah. I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, and it's, the thing but... about it is, is that like, there's a number of them that, old age and actually passed away from real reasons and then it's you talk about the guys who died under real mysterious and weird circumstances well junkyard dog was my favorite as a kid growing up because of the cartoon and then yeah. i read about how he yeah so right it's you know they died under mis- like not even the guys who died of drug overdoses or you know accidents okay. yeah i'm talking legit like i think this dude got whacked <laughs> like yeah. You know, and you can ignore Benoit for that purpose. Like, you don't want to talk. We, we all know that story. But there are dudes who died under real circumstances. You know, they'd go to Japan to work and just disappear. Yeah. And you know it's because the Yakuza got them. Like, you just know it. I, uh, the, the whole Benoit thing is, like, I, I thought they would have, like, almost edited out his matches. But, no, they're all there. <laughs> The only thing that's not there is the raw after he passed away. Oh, or the tribute? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's the raw is there, but the tribute's not. Right. But, I mean, obviously, they didn't, you know, know the circumstances until. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. but I'm saying on the network, that's the only thing they've changed. Right. right. Yeah. Um, you know what? And he won a Royal Rumble that I'm not sure is there. Oh. Okay. Not 100%. I don't, I don't remember. I'd have to go back through and watch, but I'm really excited that this is that the network is moving over to Peacock because I've been refusing to pay for Peacock, even though I'm angry. The office is behind a paywall. This will give me a reason to pay for it. So I get all of Parks and Rec and all of the office. See, I don't understand how that works because I have Peacock through Comcast right now. And then I have the, uh, the WWE app. And like, I've gotten in that buying before where like, one app is consolidated into another thing, maybe like Prime or something, and then you end up with like two, you know, charges on your card because you you had it twice, but they didn't know, but they had to know. It, this is all getting a, a big mess. <laughs> well, but. what what I'm doing is because I'm not currently paying for Peacock. I I got it through AT and T right now. Yeah. Uh, but that's up the end of this month, end of February. So at the end of February. I'm going to cancel WWE Network, and I will no longer have Peacock. And then I'll just subscribe for Peacock. You know, what I did, because I got the Disney Plus, HBO, or Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus package. But I had my my Spotify, or my Hulu through my Spotify account. So I actually had to cancel both to get that package, because I wanted the channels. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's a nightmare. So, yeah, it's it's, all right. The the adding an app through another app is just it creates billing conflicts for sure. It does. All right, man. Well, I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Bye.